We know Harrison Ford, we know Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, all the actors who create Star Wars lore in front of the camera, but what about the important people behind the camera that made Star Wars from the beginning into what it is today, and that's what we're here to get into. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John Hoey. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's right. We're doing a Kessel Run today, folks. We're giving you a list of 12 people, important people, who have brought Star Wars to life. And you may know some, you may not know some, but we're going to give you our list, give you our reasons, and then we want to hear from you and see what your list is. And we also have, of course, the Will of the Force. That is back, baby. It is back, baby! With five <laughs> great topics. And uh, going through all this today with me, as always, are the squad. And that is James Bainey and Lacey Gilleran. Guys, how's your week been? Uh, how, how'd you feel coming out of uh, Monday's episode? And now are you ready with your list of important people behind the camera in Star Wars? Well, as always, every time we do a Kessel Run, I'm usually the last to put my answers in. And uh, not because I didn't have good ones, but because I don't like to let on what I have to these two. To be clear, not so. put in your answers. You just don't. You were like, oh, I, I'm last to put mine in. You just don't put yours in. Well, <laughs> it's kind of both. Mm. I, I'm usually last to make my picks mm. because I'm waiting for to see what you guys do mm-hmm. and how you're you're doing how you're doing it, if that makes sense. All right. All right. Lacey, what uh how do how do you pick? I just pick my <laughs> favorites. Just, Usually, I'll be honest, you guys fight over who gets what. <laughs> we only fought about creatures. We were doing yeah. a lot of trading. You fought over this and... one, too, didn't you? No, no. I don't think so at all. No, uh, John just mocked my choices. No, not yeah, necessarily. Maybe. But there was there was one I was like, oh, that's going to be the one that everyone's going to like, oh, my God, that's obviously greatest ever pick. And But, you know, either way, it's... Uh, that's because I pick, pick good picks. Kessel Run is uh, going to be a good time as it always is. But before we do the Kessel Run, by the Run, way, of can course, you never say you... squad again? Don't ever say squad. Yeah, <laughs> you know so it's weird. I almost thought that too. I was like, it reminds so me like, of the word there squat. was a period on the no, there was a period on the internet like two years ago where everyone did hashtag squad goals, and it was like mm-hmm. one of those things that just like. I hate it. I think I said it more of like ro- Rogue Squadron. I know, but I squadron. see it and I just immediately I'm like, oh, like when Taylor Swift had all those girls around her and everyone's like, oh, my God, squad goals. I hated that. And like oh. as soon as big companies <laughs> use Internet slang, you know, it's not cool anymore. I didn't say goals, though, right? No, you didn't. No, I'm just saying just, just don't use squad. squad. The squad. Well, now I have to. I don't. Right. Okay. All right, guys. So, Will the Force, you guys love this segment because we get to go through all a bunch of different kinds of hypotheticals and topics, and you get to go along for the ride with us. And then, of course, uh, hear our takes and let us know in the comments what you guys think for each topic. So, we're going to send it over to James Bainey right now to run through this week's slate. Cheer it! I fear nothing for all this as the Force wills it. I like how you always give cheer it the the nod there, but never like R2 or like any of the other you know, BB-8 I, like I th- characters that we reason, do. For some reason, every time I watch Rogue One, I just, I love cheered him way more and more. Yeah. All right, well, the force this week, we got five questions, two of them of which are coming from 
patrons and we'll get to those soon but not the first one the first one is just coming from us it's will supreme leader and you know it's coming from us because we say joseph a snoke appear in the rise of skywalker this one's going to john first because he's all about that joseph snoke john (laughs) is he coming back in rise of skywalker you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always dipping into this whole flashback thing. Um, so I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no. Ooh. We're, we'll hear him. We'll, he'll be mentioned, but we will not see Snoke in The Rise of Skywalker because I don't think I've heard anything about um, um, our good buddy, uh, voice guy, motion caption guy. Oh, um, Andy Circus. <laughs> Andy Circus. We haven't heard anything about him coming back, so I don't know if he is. Uh, so I'm going to say no. We will not see Snoke in episode nine. You didn't hear right, anything, Lacey. but he did cancel some con appearances last fall when they were filming. Yeah. But he, yeah, yeah, I guess. Last minute. Um, What do I think? I don't think we will see Snoke in this movie. I think Snoke dying was the end of Snoke. And I think this comic is a nice way to bring him back so get people get a little explanation of who he is and where he came from and that backstory that nobody asked for. Um, but, yeah, I think he's gone. I think he's he's laying on the floor with his tongue out somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm going with yes. Wow. And you I get know so it- happy when you disagree with us. There's a slight yeah. smile that comes yeah. out when you're like, actually... Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I my thing with this is is I don't I can't come up with any real reason how or why they would do that. But I think that if there's any sort of let's make all this make sense, let's satisfy the audience. This is the last one. Let's drive it home. All those questions are going to get answered. I think some sort of end to Snoke would be a good resolution and make people feel good coming out of the movie. So some way, some form, somehow, I think they're going to give us a little bit of that to, to make us feel better that there was some sort of conclusion for that character because people were really mad when he didn't, when he wasn't anything, you know? So that's the only thing I got on that one. Fair enough. Um, Next one we got is a patron submission. This one is coming from the guy up at the top, General Len Brown. This is a big Len Brown episode. (laughs) Yeah. Len wants to know if uh, Solo 2 will be announced at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim next year. Lacey, you're starting this one off. Are we going to get that announcement at Anaheim? I think we're getting that announcement before that. What? I, guys, after Make Solo 2 Happen Day, <laughs> I have a lot of faith in Solo and that people are still talking about it, that so many people involved wanted to see it happen, that Jonas is fully on board. He is our captain now <laughs> of that <laughs> ship. Uh, so I, I think we're going to hear that sooner. I think we're going to hear it in, in mid-spring leading up to uh celebration. Hmm. All right. Wow. John, what do you think? Make Solo 2 happen? Celebration Anaheim. 
Um, no, it won't be announced uh, because I have learned my lesson and I have a pie waiting to smash me right in the <laughs> face that they don't make announcements at Celebration. <laughs> they don't do it. I learned my lesson the hard way. Um, uh, pie incoming. Um, so, but I, I think... I'm gonna be the optimist here as well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hope and uh, think that maybe before celebration we'll get an announcement. But if we don't, you better believe we're gonna do a make solo two happen rally at celebration. Um, but um, Lacey saying Jonas is the sh- the captain of the ship for make solo two happen. I speaking of ships, I I ship Disney Plus and a solo sequel. I want those two to get mm. together. And uh, I, I hope it happens, whether it's before or after. But James, no, no, it's not going to be announced that celebration. I've learned my lesson. Hopefully Michelle's thing. listening to you. Yes, Michelle Regwan. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that Lacey has me more optimistic now thinking that they, they might do movies for and then because the thing is, the thing with me is I love the idea of Solo 2, but as we've said during the day and multiple times online, Solo 2, the the concept behind it is more about the characters and an ongoing story than it is so much about this particular movie. So that whole will Solo 2, will the movie Solo 2 be announced? I got to go no. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But... I don't know. She, the second guess, the caveat is there is I like where Lacey's going with the uh, Disney Plus thing. If they do go the movie route with Disney Plus, that's maybe where they would put and do a solo too, even more so maybe than a series. Because I think they can keep the series to like what they feel a little confident about, but like we'll put out this two hour movie that's like, I don't know, maybe an end to some of these characters and stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Nope. Because if you think about it, too, if they have Clone Wars on Disney Plus and then they come back and they're like, you asked for it. Solo 2 is on Disney Plus. Now Disney Plus is like the fan thing. It's like the thing that all the fans want content, the Kenobi series, all this other stuff. Here's your place. You pay for this monthly. You can get all the shows that you want. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Although I'm way more sold on on a solo series now than a movie. But, Me too. I want way yeah. more. Mm-hmm. What is it like eight to ten hours of solo over yeah. a two-hour movie? Especially Absolutely. If, you, if mm-hmm. you rifle in all those characters, we want to see more of again. Yeah, we've yeah. been saying we wanted a series for a long time. For reals. Yeah. So long, speaking long of which, the next question is: Will Enfys Nest appear in the Cassian Andor series on Disney Plus? So we kind of are getting. A weird, like, make half of Solo 2 happen. (laughs) (laughs) John, you're going to start this one off. Um, Do you think that Emphis Nest might actually show up in the Cassian Andor show as like the beginning of the rebellion kind of stuff? I do. I really do. I think um, you're seeing Aaron Kellyman's name pop up more and more doing appearances at different cons. Um, I think it's very possible that we see her and I kind of, I tried to hammer this home last week that, you know, you need some more, um, relative characters, uh, for the casting series to chug that thing along. And the timing works for the story for Enfys to be around at that time, right there at the spark of the rebellion. So it's not just wedging someone in to just do it. It makes sense. And I like that. So I think, yes, I think we're going to see, uh, Enfys Nest in the casting Andor series. If, if only for, uh, for a little bit or one episode. Lacey, what yeah, do you think? I was um, 
gearing up for some Kessel Run today and reading some behind-the-scenes stuff, and Enfys Nest got cast by Nina Gold, who also is responsible for big castings like Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss in Hunger Games. So mm-hmm. Lord and Miller were also responsible for her, and Kasdan had said that it was one of the best things they did for the movie because she's just so great on camera and she's perfect and he'd love to see more of her. And I couldn't agree more. I think that she was such a character that everybody loved, you know, Emphis Best. So, yes, I think you will see more Emphis Nest. I think they're having her out there meeting fans uh, at conventions and like on the live stage where she let it slip, where she's like, oh, yeah, the first in the series. I think she's <laughs> ready to do more and I think they mm-hmm. should give her more. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they will. Or you will see. All right, all right. I too agree that this is this is a yes. James, you gotta do the ding, ding, ding thing. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Um, I think yeah. uh, For all the reasons you guys said, the the connectivity, the time frame, the 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 fact that they, you know. She's an unknown actress, you know, and they could say, you know, hey, we put you in this movie and we think that people really liked you. We want to bring you back for this TV show. What do you say? Like, she's like, she's going to turn it down. Of course, she's going to be like, yes, put me in that. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't have that to worry about. And uh, yeah, I I think that it would be a really good solution. And they could kind of test the waters again with the whole like, maybe, maybe there was something about Solo 2 that didn't work, but let's see if it's this character, you know, let's see how people react to this character here, you know, or something like that. And also just to throw it out too, I think Forrest Whitaker would come back too. I think mm-hmm. Cassian was very well aware of who Saw Gerrera was. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that he's shown up for Rebels, mm-hmm. he came back for um, uh, for uh, Fallen Order. Yeah, Jedi Fallen Order, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that he's down to do stuff like this, so I could uh, potentially see a live action and for Spritaker as well. You know, not for nothing, and not to drag this out, I apologize, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, I remember before Solo came out, I used to joke about how dumb of a name Enfys Nest was on the podcast. <laughs> you definitely did. Um, but that character, like, it's like nobody dislikes that character. And people could have, because it's a woman in a mask and Mary Sue, whatever. But I think I didn't hear anybody having a problem with Enfys Nest. And that shows how how good of a job she did and how good of a job they did making it and 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 putting her on screen and making the whole thing happen. So uh, I think it's a positive uh, addition to the galaxy and to to just say goodbye to her after solo would be a big mistake. Yep. Uh, all right, we got two more. Uh, this one's coming from our patron lieutenant Kyle Baker. Welcome, Kyle. Kyle. Kyle sent over the question. <laughs> John Boyega. This isn't a question, it's a little bit of a setup, but uh, John Boyega told fans he will definitely reveal his true feelings about the sequel trilogy once everything is over. This doesn't necessarily mean a good or bad thing, but with that in mind, will any of the main cast of this trilogy speak openly negatively about their films down the line? Uh, Lacey, this one's starting with you. Um, I don't know. What do you you think? Do you think that some of these people are kind of secretly holding something in? The only thing I can think that anybody would secretly hold in is that like Gwendolyn Christie would be like, I wish I had a bigger role in these movies. Like that is the only person that I could see as being like someone that's like, I wish I had a little more or that maybe John Boyega was like, I wish we got to explore that a little more. 
Um, but everybody we've heard from has talked about how much they love these movies. And, you know, with the interviews coming out with Carrie Russell, where she says that Adam Driver truly cares about this story and cares about where these characters are going. I don't think you hear any negativity. I think the only person that maybe is like a loose cannon, so to speak, is is Mark Hamill, where mm-hmm. you like don't know if he's really angry or he's just being snarky or are they telling him to be like that or does he really mean it? Um I can't see anybody having a negative experience. The only person maybe is Gwendolyn Christie because she's like, I wish I had more screen time. All right, John, what do you think? I I think I'm going to say no. Um, The only one I would think may, and it may be the closest thing to it. uh, Mark Hamill is Mark Hamill. We all know what that situation is. But (laughs) for for this younger cast, it would be Adam Driver because I do think his character is dying in episode nine. And I think the closest he'll get to talking badly about it is him getting annoyed at being asked about Star Wars in five years when he's promoting an indie movie or something. Or Uh, his overall fan experience. I feel like he's had a very different fan experience from other people. Yeah, so I yeah, I think he won't necessarily speak badly about the movies, but maybe just he'll get annoyed about Star Wars. But the others, I don't know that Boyega and Ridley have solid footing beyond Star Wars yet. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen a couple of clunkers here and uh, we're not sure how good that Ophelia is going to be. And, you know, Pacific uh, Rim Uprising was a stinker. Uh, so I think we're, we haven't seen the end of these characters yet. I think there is a future for them down the line. I think we're getting the future of them beyond the Skywalkers with Ray and Finn and Poe and that sort of thing. So I think they like getting paid. They know if they bring those movies back, they're <laughs> yeah. going to get paid. So you don't... Uh, you don't, um, you know, where when you eat. So uh, I, I think they, I think they won't do it. You know, it's funny. I think they will. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny you point out Daisy Ridley and John Boyega specifically because I think those are the two that would. Um, hmm. I am. I'm not entirely confident that Daisy Ridley was. She knew that she was going to be big, but I don't think she planned to be this big. And I think she might have some negative feelings towards like how the whole thing just kind of happened all like overnight. And she has gone on record to say that she doesn't have any plans to come back to Star Wars. So I don't know. There might be something there. The thing with John Boyega, too, is he this whole, the whole reason we're even discussing this is because he said that thing. And when I read that, I was like, this isn't the first time he's, he showed a little bit of like, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It might've even been something for the rise of Skywalker. He said, uh, I was shown this and I was like, what? That's what you're doing. And Oh, it was the Palpatine coming back thing. Mm-hmm. He's like Palpatine. You're bringing Palpatine back. Right, like he was he's like, a fan. I don't, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I don't think I like that idea, but then JJ showed it to me, and I'm like, and then it sounded like a Mark Hamill thing. He's like, but again, I was wrong. The director was right. <laughs> but I don't know. It felt weird. It felt like he's, I think like what he was really thinking was like, you're going to bring Palpatine back? How are you going to do it? And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And 
I think that if if you look at just the broad spectrum of percentage of how many fans like did and didn't like Last Jedi or had issues with how it was handled, you have to think that some people in the production or cast would be part of that percentage as well. And Mark Hamill's willing to speak out about it, but I'm sure there's other people in the cast that are like, man, I I, I feel like I personally would have done this a lot differently but mm. you know i'm glad to be part of it and it's disney but once i'm free of this i might be a little bit more open about some of this stuff that doesn't make sense to me either hmm. so i don't know but i mean you have old star wars fans you have uh lots of people that were like those movies yeah i don't i don't want to have anything to do with those yeah. who's the dennis lawson and stuff you know yeah right yeah. So you you have people that are just like, yeah, whatever. All right, let's get to the last one, guys. I want to get through this because I want to get to that discussion. Um, will Boba Fett, this is the last one, uh, make his return to Star Wars live action in a sequel series to Solo on Disney Plus? Hashtag make Solo 2 happen. John, we're going to start with you on this one. Take us home. Boba Fett is coming back to live action. Yes. Boba Fett will return, and it makes sense for him to do it in a fallout to Solo because Boba Fett worked, was hired by Jabba the Hutt, and we know Han Solo was on his way to work with Jabba the Hutt. Again, when it makes sense, bring him back. You know, so uh, uh, this is a no-brainer to me. The only thing that uh, gives doubt is that we don't know if uh, follow-up to Solo is definitely happening, but everyone wants Boba Fett back, right? Even me, I don't mind bringing him back. Let's do it, right? Uh so for me, it makes too much sense for it uh, to not be in uh, a follow-up to Solo. So I think he will. I think Boba Fett will make his return, and it will be in the Solo follow-up. All right, Lacey, do you agree with John? Boba Fett? This is tough because we talked about the Mandalorian idea a year ago, and yeah. John and I sat <laughs> here being like, Mandalorian because Boba Fett sucks. So just for that reason, I'm going to stick by my written. Uh, no, they will not. No, nope. I think he'll show up maybe in other shows, but I don't think he's getting his own show. Oh, I didn't say his own show. I said in Solo. Oh, in Solo specifically? I guess I misunderstood the question. Yeah, will he make you his return? You said a follow-up. Will he make his return in a live action, in, in live action, in a sequel series to Solo? So in oh, Solo 2. So when I heard that... I heard sequel series to Solo. So like Solo, Solo 2, Bob Fett. Oh, no. I meant like in uh, in Solo 2. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then I agree with that. Yes, he will show up in Solo 2. So no, he's not going to show up. But In his own series. In his own series. Oh, oh all right. Okay. That's right, what right. I was saying. Because sequel okay. series to Solo. I was like, no, he's not getting uh, his own show. I may have worded that poorly. I apologize. Okay. It's yeah. okay. Um. Yeah, I, I too am going to say yes to this, but for a slightly different reason. I think that uh, that one makes the most sense that they could do that, especially since right. it's before his death. But the cool thing, that the crazy thing about Boba Fett is we've all talked about they're not going to kill that character off. They could very easily bring him back, you know, after Return of the Jedi stuff. But that means that he could potentially easily uh, fit into... A, a solo series. He could fit into Cassie and Andor if they wanted to bring him in for a couple episodes. He could fit into Mandalorian if they wanted to mm-hmm. bring him into that show. Heck, I, last Monday I was talking about this crazy theory of like a Thrawn military show 
don't be surprised. They could bring him into that too. Mm-hmm. You right, know, right, like right. he's got this ability to just show up anywhere at any time. And people are like, Boba Fett. That's well, awesome. Yeah. At, at our, Love at, it. At our panel at Celebration, I said it'd be an awesome cliffhanger if you saw the lightning crash and you saw a turn and it's not the Mandalorian's armor, it's Boba Fett. And that's how they mm-hmm. end season one of the Mandalorian. So yeah, you're right. He can pop up all, all different yep. places. All right. That's it for Will of the Force this week. We're moving on to our uh, next segment, uh, which is one of my favorites called the Patreon Pod Race. And what we do is we give our generals, our top tier Patreon supporters, uh, the chance to come on the podcast for a little bit. We'll ask them a question and uh, let them, you know, have a minute to to talk about how they feel about it. So this week, uh, Len Brown is doing our Patreon uh, Pod Race. Hey, Len. And we asked Len if he would be buying Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, and who is better at Star Wars games, him or his kids? So let's send it over to Len. What do you have to say? The gang over at uh, TRB asked me if I was going to buy Jedi Fallen Order. Of course I am. Now, put Star Wars on any game, I'm going to buy it. Uh, am I going to get the super duper deluxe edition of the game? Probably not. But um, I'm still going to get it. No. As much as I love getting killed several hundred times at night on Battlefront, sometimes it's just nice to sit back and play a um, through an engaging story with new characters. And hopefully a few, a few surprise characters will appear like maybe Infant's Nest. Um, but what I'm not looking forward to is trying to keep my kids off this game. Um, I won't be able to finish it on my own without any help from them. So I may have to take some... Um, Drastic actions to keep them off my PS4. Wow! So uh, <laughs> I think that I think that's pretty straightforward. I'm laughing. I love the joke at the end there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, he's saying his kids are are better than he is, but you know, it, it's nice to know that he's going to be able to to kind of enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. John, Lacey, either one of you guys have uh, anything to say about the pod race? I I thought this was a great one, and I'm still laughing. I love it. I love the ending. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I, I love how Len's like, of course I'm going to buy Jedi Fallen Order, even though I play Battlefront and I get killed all the time. And it's probably by all of our fellow other patrons who kill him in the game. Mm-hmm. So. It's um, Lacey. But, uh, his, his relief if, that he's getting a story mode and he doesn't have to worry about getting killed all the time is pretty much verbatim what I said when we talked to Alex and Steve uh, Black Series Rebels mm-hmm. about uh, this game um, at uh, Celebration. So I'm with you, Len, on that. And uh, as far as your, your kids go, I, I'm not good at video games, uh, man, so you're probably way better than me. So uh, they wipe the floor with me too. But great job again on the pod race. Love that shirt, by the way, uh, the general shirt. So uh, thanks again uh, for your support and uh, way to kill another pod race, man. Good job. Yeah, I really enjoy this. So, first of all, Len and I play Battlefront a lot. <laughs> we have we have fun, but Len is funny because we usually play with a group of like eight people. And if we have to back out so someone can join, that means everybody has to leave the game and go into the lobby. And usually they'll we'll be sitting there and someone will be like, I can't join the game yet. Someone's still playing. And it's usually Len. <laughs> it's usually Len has not backed out of the game yet. So is Len Leroy Jenkins? Is that what? <laughs> kind of. It's so funny, though. Len, you're not that bad at the game. But uh, we don't kill each other because we're usually on the same team. 
Um, but it's definitely a good time. And yeah, you're going to have to fight the controller out of Southern Kylo's hands, your son's hands, because that kid likes to play some video games. Um, but really good job. And I really appreciate the ending. It was hilarious. Good yep. job. All right. Thanks, Len. We are going to do it now. James. We're going to do the Kessel Run. James. <laughs> yes. What? I have, yes. I have breaking poll result news for the Resistance broadcast. Can I deliver yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Y- you took this, the soapbox away. So, so, guys, I ran a poll. I'll, I'll give you <laughs> the box. He literally right was back. just like, hey, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I ran a poll. You can only save one. The oh, other will definitely die. Who do you save? Steve Harrington from Stranger Things or Kylo Ren from Star Wars? And 67% of the voters said they would save Kylo Ren, which means 67% of you out there just murdered Steve Harrington from, from Stranger Things. So how dare you folks? Back to you, James. <laughs> Back to you, John. It's the Kessel Run. Oh, jeez, it's the Kessel Run. <laughs> You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. I thought we were going to trouble there for a minute, but we're fine. We're fine. You know, someone asked a really good question about that poll, John. Is like, why do the people with good hair always have to die? I know. I know. Padme. Also, that poll was a personal attack to me. <laughs> well, because Lacey does this thing. She, she, she likes Twitterisms, and one of hers is, Protect blank at all costs. And it's like, protect Steve Buscemi. John loves at mocking all costs. my tweets on a regular basis. So she goes, protect Steve Harrington at all costs. I'm like, all costs, huh? Let's try this out. <laughs> I she, chose I chose that Steve dies. And Steve dies. So there you go, folks. All costs, right? All right, guys. We are doing the Kessel Run. And if you're new to the Resistance broadcast, we honor Han Solo and the crew's Kessel Run by using the number 12 to run down 12 People, items, topics, whatever that we're talking about. But this week, we all know Hamill, Ford, Fisher, Ridley, Boyega, Driver, Isaac, Portman, Christensen, McGregor, the list goes on. But we also know the people who really bring Star Wars to life are the ones behind the camera in all different departments. Direction, writing, music, special effects, design, editing, the list goes on, you know it. So we put together a list of 12 people behind the camera that brought Star Wars to life. Now, we can't list them all, of course. We're limited to 12. I'm sure you'll have your list, so let us know who's on your list. But one caveat here is that George Lucas. We cannot say... (laughs) Number one. There it is. That's the whole list, just George Lucas. Yep. Uh, No, the one caveat, as James just said, we cannot say George Lucas. So if he's not on our list, that's the reason. He's on my shirt, though. 11 picks for Kessel I need like five minutes to come up with a new list. (laughs) Yeah. My first pick was George. My second pick was Lucas. My third pick was his dog, Indiana. And my fourth pick was... George Lucas. George Lucas. George George Lucas. Rick McCallum is my whole list, so I don't know what to tell you. No, but uh, all right. So we're going to start the Kessel Run up right now. 12 people important in Star Wars behind the camera that made this franchise so great whether it's from the beginning of Star Wars, back in the 70s, or recent movies. So who wants to kick it off? I think Lacey should start this week. I think John should start because he came up with this topic. Lacey never starts. Lacey never starts, so she's starting this week. Nope, not doing it. Go ahead, John. Lacey, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'll wait. Wow, guys. (laughs) 
Okay, I'll go first. This is riveting. <laughs> I'll go first. I wanted to like keep going, but then we would just be sitting here. Okay, so my first pick is <laughs> Michael Kaplan, who is the costume designer behind The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker, I believe. I believe he's Rise of Skywalker. But so far, he's done The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Now, the reason because, obviously, he came up with the costume for Kylo Ren. But besides that, all the costumes in all these movies are just so amazing. And costumes like Rey, which is like such a simple costume, has allowed so many little girls and just everyone to make a costume that they can dress up in. Because when you watch Star Wars when you're younger or when I was younger and you're watching like the original trilogy or even the prequels, you'd have these like elaborate costumes like Padme's outfits that you'd be like, I could never make this. And yet Michael Kaplan takes Rey and puts her in an outfit that says Star Wars, but is so simple and works for her that it transcends to like everybody can wear it. Everybody can Mm. recognize that costume as soon as they see it. Um, Nice. But yeah, he's really awesome. And I, I appreciate all the costumes. Yeah, I think it's good when you have the new people pulling things off because they're kind of trying to um, layer into the past, but also making things new. So you had Kylo Ren had to be masked, but they don't want to make it too much like Vader. They, right. you know, maybe borrowed a little from the Revan look. And well, then, I like, can't believe that originally I learned that this week. The Phasma, Phasma yeah. was supposed to be Kylo Ren. I didn't right. know mm-hmm. that. And Thank I know God people are like, how did you not know that? that well, been someone bad. made a joke like literally a knight in shining armor. And I was <sighs> like, but yikes. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, they said that. And then Kanja Club also was originally might have been Kylo Ren. But I, I'm so glad they went with what they went with. Yeah. And I was going to say about um, like Ray's costume and, and, you know, like it's like Luke and a new hope he's basically wearing like a potato sack and it's like <laughs> you know you i don't have know hers is pretty there. fitted her outfit's pretty like yeah. if you look at all the costumes for the sequel trilogy they're all very fitted clean lines mm-hmm. like they fit their characters yeah um but then you meet someone else and like a phasma or first order like they have a very specific look like mm-hmm. i love how his looks match where they are and immediately when you see them you know what side they're on you know where they're from and like that takes a lot of skill to like Mm -hmm. make you recognize something like a place or a certain group or anything like that just based on like if you look at the first order they're just wearing black suits kind of Mm -hmm. james you vibe in kaplan um yeah yeah i actually looked at a lot of these um there was also did armageddon fun fact there was a name Great you movie. said earlier too, I think like on this episode or the episode before and I was like the casting director and I was like, man, I was so close to that one too, you know, just for the same reason of like people don't think about that. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the costumes and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on this one. This is a good choice. All nice. right. Um, James, me or you? Um, I never go last. So all you right. go. I will go. And my first pick is... The wordsmith himself, Lawrence Kasdan. So Lawrence Kasdan uh, took what a rough draft from Lee Brackett was for The Empire Strikes Back and pretty much gutted it and rewrote that movie um, based on what George Lucas was looking for. Um, Love George Lucas. Guy can't write dialogue very well. You know who can? 
Lawrence Kasdan. He wrote the <laughs> arguably the greatest script in Star Wars history with The Empire Strikes Back. Also, uh, The Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. He is Star Wars royalty to me. Nobody writes Han Solo better to me, and that's my favorite character. Hey, Josh, no his favorite character. Um, so I got to go... <laughs> I got to go with Lawrence Kasdan, the scribe. Also, he wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. The guy's just a Lucasfilm legend. Um, So uh, he had to make my list. What do you guys think about uh, Larry Kaz? I read an interesting part about Solo um, with Kasdan and about how that movie has kind of been in the making for a while before they made it, like Mm -hmm. the idea of having a Han Solo-specific movie, but more about the fact that you know, we talk about they've had issues leading up to the in the production, leading up to the release of the movie. But a lot of the issues, from what my understanding is, is the tone that Kasdan was like, no, I live and breathe Han Solo. Like, he yeah. wouldn't do this thing. He wouldn't do that thing. And once George left Star Wars, he's kind of like he was the last legacy person that would like kind of be that baseline of knowledge for Star Wars and like tones and how people would act and mm-hmm. how p- things would come across. And I think you have to have that person yeah. um, involved in these movies. And I think that's a great thing that JJ is now going to these people like Lawrence or George or mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson and being like, okay, here's my idea. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? Because otherwise none of these things are going to match. Yeah. And if you look at it, I mean, Lawrence Kasdan is kind of that kind of thread that's pulling all these movies together. Yep, absolutely. Baney. Yeah, I think it's I think it's crazy that, you know, he had so much to do with the original trilogy and then to bring him back. Yeah. And right. he still is doing stuff for the new movies. And you're like <clears throat> I, I think a lot of people might even have the opinion that like, you know, their favorites are Force Awakens and Solo and not even know that there's like that thread there, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, well, that's, it's not, I like one of the saga movies. I like one of the standalone movies, but I'm pretty sure it's all disconnected. It's like, it's not. Cause you have this guy who, that, you know, right. who's telling the story specifically. So yeah. Uh, I mean, to, to say these are good choices, we're going to say that over and over and over mm-hmm. again, but like, yeah, Lawrence Kasdan, a great choice and great choice. And like, you think about, uh, you know, characters and movies that, span decades like look at you know john mcclain from die hard like you mm-hmm. can slap die hard on a title of a movie and throw bruce willis in it and be like that's a die hard movie but he doesn't act like john mcclain in like the fifth one compared to the first one larry right. kasdan continuing to write the character kept han solo as han solo so that if someone else could have wrote the force awakens he would be like that's harrison ford from firewall just we're calling him han solo <laughs> like he was able to grab and latch back into the character. So uh, I just, for f- however many years, 36 years, he's been writing, you know, for Star Wars. And uh, thank God, thank the maker, because uh, Larry's the best. So, um, all right. So two down, James, your first pick on the Kessel Run. Who you got? Ralph McQuarrie is my first pick. Legendary concept artist. Yeah. So the reason <laughs> that I think that uh, Ralph McQuarrie kind of made it on this list. It's just the way, John, that you proposed the question in the first place, like important people that are behind the camera that uh, shaped these films, shaped Star Wars, you know, the way that they are and, and are important. And I don't think you have someone, uh, I don't know, be able to, 
create the look of Star Wars. Like it doesn't look or feel the way that it does. There's that that classic lived in look that was requested, but like this is what we want, and he's the person that made it what it is. You know, um, mm-hmm. he's got all these yep. scenes with like Darth Vader and the droids and the ships. And uh, numerous scenes of like uh, later in the movies, like Cloud City and the Tauntauns and the Adats and the snow speeders and stuff. And it's like, just think about Star Wars just from a visual standpoint. And there's a pretty good chance when it comes to the original trilogy, it's because this guy made it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he drew it. So, yeah. um, um, so I think that he's definitely on that, that list. If Mount Rushmore was 12 people long <laughs> for Kessel Run, <laughs> he makes my Mount Rushmore of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I like Macquarie because, um, like you just say, like he he set the tone and he created the imagery and he helped uh, put a different dimension on what came out of George Lucas's like brain. Uh, George Lucas had these ideas and Macquarie knew how to make it visual. Um, so I love that, and I love how even now in some of the animated uh, features they're using literal translations of his uh, concept art, like how things are certain shapes and pointy and weird and. Uh, Mm -hmm. they're, they're even doing nods and tributes to him in that way. And even in the sequel trilogy, they're still using some of his designs as, as recent as the force awakens with things that they were going to use for Jabba's palace originally. So a lot of cool stuff and his legacy still lives on, uh, today, this, this many years later. And that's just a, a, a testament to how awesome and impactful he is to this franchise. Rebels really drove that home. You have like Zeb and is a direct Han Solo. No, Zeb was a direct of Chewbacca. No, Han. I think. Wasn't Han like a lizard originally? Like a lizardy? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was Chewbacca. I mean, I don't know unless that character is supposed to be Han. (laughs) But he looks like Chewbacca to me. Yeah. Um, uh, Chopper is the original R2-D2. Um, you have another droid that they did that was like some sort of weird security droid that was actually like the original C-3PO. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Cool choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys, have said, you guys have said <laughs> no, everything there is to yeah. say. I don't know what else to I, say I besides he's a really run. good artist. And <laughs> I'm sure there's so many concept artists that have based their work off of him. And he's been an inspiration to many a people. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's like, hey, Butthead, what do you think about Ralph McQuarrie? <sighs> he's cool. I didn't say it that way. <laughs> no, but like, you guys went through all these detailed things. It's like... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. okay, anyway. so my next pick is uh, <laughs> Neil Scanlon, who is the head of the Creature Shop for specifically the sequel trilogy. So he's done Force Awakens, Solo, Last Jedi, uh, Rogue One, and now Rise of Skywalker. Um, he's just a super cool dude. And if you watched uh, The Director and the Jedi... He has a whole segment where he talks about the Thalassiren and like what went into that puppet. And it's like puppeted by five people and they had to like airlift it off to the island that it's on that Mark Hamill Mm -hmm. goes to. Um, But his background's really cool, too. So he worked with Jim Henson and worked in their creature shop and actually worked on The Labyrinth, which is like one of my favorite movies ever. Um, And then ended up quitting. He quit Jim Henson like 96 and then started his own studio. Um and then in 2011 was like, yeah, I think I'm going to 
end the, my studio and kind of walk away from all this. And they were just like, why don't you come join Star Wars? And he was like, you know what? I think I will. <laughs> and That's now he's idea. responsible for like everything. Um, he talked a little bit at Celebration about how he didn't necessarily design BB-8 or the new droid Dio, the Little Caesars pizza droid thingy. Um, mm-hmm. but he's the one that kind of makes it happen. So like JJ Abrams comes to him with BB eight on a napkin. And then he's the guy that's like, okay, let's make this, let's, this is a thing. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even imagine having that creativity and know how like engineering wise of coming up with these gigantic puppets. Cause you have to think of everything from someone's inside the suit. They have to be able to breathe. What kind of materials are they using? Is it waterproof? Is it not? What kind of paint? Uh, Does it like shoot anything like the Thalassiren or does it like (laughs) what else can these creatures do? And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we did the Kessel run about creatures. But some of the most memorable things in Star Wars are the creatures themselves, especially in the sequel trilogy. So BB-8 is like one of the top characters. And I couldn't imagine it without the creatures because that's what makes it Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's one of my picks. Yeah. And he won awesome an Oscar for visual effects on Babe. So fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like uh, the old school uh, puppet crews and stuff like Phil Tippett and those guys from the original trilogy <laughs> that uh, George Dinosaur Lucas Supervisor. Put. What's that? <laughs> that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite things. The Dinosaur Supervisor in Jurassic Park. It's like Phil Tippett, mm. Di- yeah. Dinosaur Supervisor. So he, yeah, he, he always had his hand in everything and they helped like kind of make Star Wars happen uh, when they had small budgets and, and mm-hmm. the technology wasn't there. Right. So it's cool to see now because um, you're picking more of the more modern people like Neil Scanlon where the roots are there uh, in terms of how to make practical things. But now they also have the technology to do things that they couldn't do back then. But in, in not in a technology CGI way, but sometimes in a physical way, how they made like the Vulptexes and how they mm-hmm. make the, a lot of the things that they do now. So uh, I just think the evolution of that is cool going from back in the day when they used to have to clay mold things and like things would fall apart. They'd be like, all right, well, let's just put Tim in there and make it work. <laughs> and now they're like, well, we can actually use a robot and then this stuff. So uh, the engineering aspect has taken it to a new level and Neil Scanlon's definitely crushing that. I loved how they, in Director and the Jedi, they had a part with him when they talked to him. They were saying how they were going to try to cut the budget on creatures. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're, <laughs> yeah. you're not cutting my budget. No, yeah. no, no, not happening. And no, they didn't. They made, it, they made it work. They were like, okay, he's getting what he wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would too. Um, John, what do you got? What's your next pick? Next pick is Ben Burt, the sound engineer, sound designer of Ooh. Star Wars. Uh, and he actually won an Oscar for a special achievement for the original Star Wars. And anytime you hear a blaster in Star Wars, this guy created it by hitting a piece of metal against a, a wire. Uh, he created the sound for Darth Vader's breathing. So, uh, you know, everyone talks about the sounds and the music and what made Star Wars come to life. And the sound end of it is all this guy, Ben Burt. He was uh, through the original trilogy, all through the prequel uh, prequel trilogy, and I think they even used him as a consult for uh, the sequel trilogy. But all the sounds have been there already. You, you know, your blaster sound effects, your lightsaber sound effects. This guy made it, and uh, those, these are recognizable sounds that you can be completely detached away from Star Wars, and you'll hear that blaster fire or a lightsaber trigger or Darth Vader's breathing, a Tie Fighter, an X-wing, whatever, and the Millennium Falcon. 
Chewbacca's roar. This guy did it, and he did it in such a weird, old-school kind of way. Uh, so I think um, he's an unsung uh, name, I think. Ben Burt, a lot of fans may not really know him by name, but when you find out what this guy did uh, and what he brought to Star Wars, uh, he really took uh, took this franchise to, to new heights, and he's a massive contributor to the success of the franchise. So he had to be on my list. Yeah, I, I think when, when I think of Ben Burt, I think that anyone who's like involved in sound and sound production or of any sort, that's like the Michael Jordan of sound design, you know? Yeah. There's no way you would even remotely be involved in that and not have come across that name or at least in some way come across some like design, you know, uh, that design class, like do it like he did it, you know? Right. (laughs) Like he's the example Yes. I mean, um, one of the coolest things they announced at Celebration was that he was doing BD-1 in Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, right. Yeah, they did bring him back for the game. That's right. Like, that's so cool that they took the time to be like, we want that guy, mm-hmm. the guy, the mm-hmm. droid guy. Yeah, imagine being like a kid, like even like his like grandkid or something and being like, wait, you created this lightsaber sound? Like, you're the coolest person ever. <laughs> like, even people who don't love Star Wars are know like, man, lightsabers are cool. Like, they or Darth Vader's Zoom. breathing. Like, if you could never have seen a Star Wars movie, if you hear that sound and you had a gun to your head, you'd be like, isn't that Darth Vader from that Star Wars movie? <laughs> so he just created, the, like, it's just a legacy that that guy created. And it's just, it's a branch of Star Wars that sometimes gets overlooked. But it's mm-hmm. so it's so important. So you had to make my list. But um, all right. So let's move on to Lacey's third pick. James didn't go yet. James, did you go? Nope. Oh, crap. Sorry, James. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait so a minute. Oh, yes. My I'm second sorry. pick yes, James uh, second. is and I'm going to be breaking the rules a little bit. I think maybe I don't know if that the rules were really set up, but I don't think anybody's going to argue with me. Uh, my pick is going to be Dave Filoni. No, that's Ooh. that's a fair pick. Yeah. Um, and uh, my reasons for this is I, I, you know, I'm a big animation guy, so you know, I think he's really, really, really shaped what Rebels became, and I think Rebels is great. Um, and then he was really heavily involved in uh, uh, Clone Wars to the extent of that show, while Rebels is attributed mainly and and really only to Dave Filoni. It was uh, Clone Wars was attributed to Dave Filoni and George Lucas. Yeah. Like the two of them did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in that time, as much as, as George Lucas always pushed off the expanded universe stuff and said, that's not my story. I think that this is, this is more so of a relationship between George Lucas and someone learning his ways more so than George Lucas and like any other director, like the director of Empire Strikes Back, the director of um, uh, Return of the Jedi. You know, it's it's like they're learning because George is heavily involved in those productions as well. But I think George really like thought like this is this is part of the story. The, mm-hmm. the Clone Wars is part of the story. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time to be working with George on like a, a co-op basis and not be now that he's gone placed in a position where like you're shaping star Wars to what it is. Um, because a lot of people are like, it's not just the movies. It's 
it's Clone Wars, it's Rebels, you know, it's uh, everything else that he's doing. And, and Dave also is working on Mandalorian stuff, you know, and there's probably a million other things um, that he, you know, has had to do with like Ahsoka, for instance. The Ahsoka novel had to be run by him first. So, right. I oh, mean, for sure. a lot of this stuff involving his characters and the things that he's worked on are shaping Star Wars for what they what it is. So, Dave yeah. Filoni. That's yeah. my pick. That's a good Number pick. Two. I think, uh, especially lore hounds, as uh, you once put them, James, um, are, are big into what he does. And also even people who may not like the modern era of Star Wars feel like he's like the last bastion tie to George Lucas, as you put it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he uh, kind of set his own path with Rebels because, like you said, people could say Clone Wars was George and Dave was just along for the ride uh, during that run. He was able to prove, like, no, this is my; these are my ideas now. And and Rebels yeah. was a very very successful show, and I think it made people doubters uh, uh, kind of wash away a bit. And curious to see what he does to wrap up Clone Wars. And, you know, resistance, you know, whatever, whether you think about it, uh, it it's very unique and, and has its own footing as well. And I'm curious where he takes animation uh, in the future, because now that you have Disney Plus, he can probably run a lot of operations there. Uh, and I'm curious to see where he takes it. But I think that's a it's a great pick. It's a no brainer to me to put Filoni on the list. It's a he really good the, pick. He was one of the few people that had multiple panels at Star Wars Celebration this last year. That's a great point. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean? he's a busy, busy panels. dude. <laughs> yeah, he was on panels. Rebels Remembered. He was on uh, the Clone Wars panel. He was on the Mandalorian panel. And like, he yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. He he has a producer credit for Mandalorian, right? So he's he's not just directing. I think he is involved sure. in in yeah. He's involved there, and he's probably helping Favreau. Uh, do some kinds of Easter egg lore type of uh, references mm-hmm. and that sort of thing throughout the series. So, um, yeah. very interesting. All right, let's keep it going. What do you got, Lacey? He has a great cowboy hat. Uh, <laughs> my <laughs> my next pick is we've had Larry. Now we're gonna go to John Caston. Um, I chose John because you know, guys. We've been pushing Make Solo 2 happen, and John is one of the ways it's going to happen. Um, he wrote Solo, a Star Wars story with uh, with Larry, but he's not. He's more engaged with the fans and the online community and explaining himself than Larry. Like Larry's kind of like, I wrote this, I'm gone, and then he's out. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, John is in the thick of it and you could tell that he comes from a place that he cares and he's super passionate about star Wars and he loves these characters and he's gotten to know them so well, probably from his father. Um, so I trust his judgment with these characters because he's coming from a guidance of Larry. And I think that he has new and exciting ideas that he's going to bring to any star Wars project. And Mm -hmm. I was reading back at a couple of his tweets and I came across the one he did when Solo got released digitally of like the 60 things he learned from Solo or 60 behind the scenes things. And every single note I read, if it was a negative one or a positive one or a weird thing, every single one was written like, I'm having the time of my life. And what better person to make movies or write movies or have anything to do with them than someone that's having as much fun as you are watching it writing it and being a part of it. Um, And he has great ideas that he wants to see through 
to more solo projects mm-hmm. and other things. I can't even tell you how many times in those 60 notes or whatever it was that he said, I'd love to tell more about this. I'd yeah. love love to see more of this character. I would, you know, this person deserves more time. He even said Thandie Newton shouldn't have died because she was just so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is definitely someone that I hope gets solo two happening. I want to see more of the uh, syndicates mm-hmm. and crime mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just Underworld. great. And the fact that he handles everything with humor and fun and uh, grace online, the things people spew at him on a daily basis, I don't know how he handles it, but he always does it with like a, hey, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't do that. So I have to give him the credit that like he is definitely one of my top picks for unsung heroes in Star Wars. Yeah. James, you got anything on Johnny Kasdan? Uh, no, that 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 I agree. I I the best thing about him to me is that he he. It's very important, I believe, that any future creator pay attention to some of the other material. And he is just a Star Wars fan, probably because he grew up in that world. But he's a Star Wars fan through and through to the extent of, you know, there's the famous story of Lawrence saying, let's make it this character. And he's like, no, it's got to be this person Mm because you don't know this, but this stuff has been going on. And it's like, it's like if if Lacey is completely wrong and he is not shaping Star Wars, he should be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, because he's a perfect pick. He also yeah. did that big moment between Han and uh, Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. Like, in the behind the scenes footage with JJ, he talks about how John played a role in that because the scene originally came across very cold on Kylo's end. Mm-hmm. And John's the one that kind of helped with that scene to make it more of a father son heartbreaking moment between Kylo Ren and his dad than just like. Mm. Because, I mean, that sets the tone of like, okay, he definitely kind of regrets this. Like that moment where you see his face and he re- he kind of has this moment of like, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Like that's John Kasdan saying like, who normally would like not have a moment at least where they're like, eh, should I have done that? You know? Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because you have Larry and John writing that scene together and their father and son. So it's right. just mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I all I have to say about John Kasdan is, Kind of like what you just said, James. He's definitely a bigger Star Wars fan than his dad. Um, and maybe it's because, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just because he grew up like, oh, my dad wrote this movie and I, now I love this franchise. And he was of that mm-hmm. age as a kid when it came out and stuff. So he knows about Maul surviving and he knows about the syndicates and the pikes and, and the huts and all that stuff. So he mm-hmm. definitely wants to tell the story. Now, I wouldn't put him on my list now, but Lacey, like you say... Hopefully there's a bigger future for him in Star Wars and he seems to want to do it and they seem to like the Kasdans, obviously. And Larry said he's done after Solo. So maybe he's taken over as the new scribe for Star Wars. And I would have no problem with that because I love the Solo script and, and, and I know him and his dad were both a big part of it. So John um, is yeah. to Lawrence as Dave Filoni is to George Lucas. That's what I was yeah. thinking when you said that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. think that. Yeah. John, if you want to come on the podcast, just let us know. We'll take it anytime. Anytime. We've tried. He was one of the he was one of the people we publicly tried to tag in a tweet because he responded to us, but nothing yet. Write another <laughs> but, list. We'll read it live, please. But we'll get Jonas to like forcibly drag him on to 
All right. We'll so give you a shirt. Up, who's <laughs> up here? Number three, John. That's you. Me. Okay. So Marsha Lucas. Um, she is the ex-wife of George Lucas, uh, the maker. And um, she, many people may not know, but she was the editor of uh, Star Wars, the first movie, and also did editing for The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And uh, she won an Oscar for Best Editing for Star Wars. Uh, so there you go right there. Uh, and she worked on Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese movie. She worked on American Graffiti for George Lucas. Her resume spoke for itself. And it, what also speaks for itself is you see the void when George Lucas came back and made the prequel trilogy. There was a lot of choppy editing and bad takes chosen and weird dialogue, spacing and gaps and awkwardness. She made Star Wars flow. Uh, and they even said during production, man, I, you know, Harrison Ford said, you know, you can't just say these words. You can write these words, George, but I can't say these. And she made it fit. She made it flow. She made it work. And uh, you two know more than I do about how important video editing is. So I'll let you talk about that. But uh, her value to George's success in the original trilogy is so understated. Uh, but I think it's starting to resurface now. Uh, but Marsha Lucas, Oscar-winning editor for Star Wars back in 1977, edited the original trilogy, and then obviously they got divorced and she wasn't involved anymore. But uh, I, I can't say enough. I could probably We could probably do a whole episode, in my opinion, about people like a Marsha Lucas and how important she was to Star Wars. Because, uh, pe- pe- you know, people... We're doing re- that now, John. I know, but I can go on for an hour, <laughs> is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Wise guy. Uh, but so, so important to, to the legacy of Star Wars and I can't say it enough. Editing is super um, important to a movie and there's a video. I forget who did it. I'm blanking. I'm sorry. There's a video. It's the same that, one I was going to say, Lacey. Yeah, editing I, saved same, Star yep. Wars and, and everyone should go watch it. It's a perfect video and yeah. it's great. You should go watch it. Yep. Everything we want to say is in that video. So instead of us getting into it after you're done here, go watch that one because it's hilarious yeah. because they talk through his first viewing of like Spielberg watching it and they're all like, this is garbage. <laughs> Mm. So if you yeah. want to see how they he, she fixed it, that is a great reference. Maybe we'll put it in the description to be nice. Maybe. Yeah. All right. And they also, they, they fill in like why this yep. version wouldn't make any sense. And this is how they fixed it because obviously these things tie in and stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, man. Like I probably wouldn't realize that if I was putting it together, but she did. And that's mm-hmm. what's yeah. so great. Imagine yeah. editing John's rumor reviews. Uh, there it is. Unsung There's the heroes. dig, folks. There it is, folks. Uh, but yeah, Marsha Lucas. It's pretty easy. You just drag to trash, right? <laughs> there it is. About it. <laughs> I shouldn't say this before my next pick. Like before I'm getting ready to go. You just drag to trash. How about that? Today in Star Wars, John's room reviews in the trash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag uh, drag to trash. <laughs> Marsha Lucas, Star Wars doesn't uh, exist if, if not for her. All right. Uh, who's up? James? Yep. My yeah. third pick is going to be uh, Doug Chang. Ooh. Doug yes. Chang. Yes. Yes. Um, this is actually funny too, because we were saying, could we do an episode on this? And Lacey threw out Doug Chang and I was like, darn it. I hope she doesn't pick that because it's already one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't, but, uh, but I think this guy is, uh, is great. And, um, 
in all fairness, like this whole episode, I don't know that much about behind the scenes. For the most part, I feel like I'm still picking surfacey answers because I don't pay attention to behind the scenes very much. But I yeah. did watch his presentation um, at uh, uh, Star Wars Celebration this year about you know the 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 making of Phantom Menace. This guy is incredible, like incredible, mm-hmm. and has such. From that point, from episode one, all the way up to the stuff you're seeing at Galaxy's Edge, this guy has has been there and has been helping out, and he has been shaping what Star Wars is supposed to look like. And I think if you have another art director, if you have somebody else coming up with stuff, they're probably first talking to him or bouncing ideas off of the stuff that he's already created, like. You know, the same way I was talking about Ralph McQuarrie earlier, like he's the reason that the AT-ATs are the way that they are. Like, look at practically everything in the uh, prequel trilogy, and he's the reason, you know, we have battle droids and we have, yeah, yeah. Rogue One is like all his stuff. Yeah. Force Awakens. Yeah. It's it's just, it's incredible how much this guy is like this visual creating force and most people probably don't know his name, you know. Mm-hmm. He his talent is unreal. How good he is, and I could just like not even imagine being in his brain, because mm-hmm. like you have to have a certain brain to come up with all these things. Like they're like, oh, we need a cantina, and Doug's like, I got you. Let me give you seven different aliens in a cantina on this specific yeah. planet. There's like this thing where he's like talking about building a ship or something. And he was like, well, I first had this design and then I thought, hmm, it's a little weird. So I cut off the back end and reversed <laughs> the front so that it's a mirror image. And I'm like, what? That's inception. That's like inceptioning what? your art. Like, I don't know what, what's happening. What panel were we at? I would just it, start over. It wasn't, I wouldn't <laughs> think to. It wasn't a panel he was doing, but he was there for. And, Mandalorian. And they like kicked him out of a section because they didn't know who he was or whatever. Didn't remember that? We saw like Doug Chang being like escorted to a different area or something. Yeah. Like that. So he, so it was, I believe it was Mandalorian. He came in near the back somewhere kind of in the press area. And then there was like a, he was like talking to security guards or something. And it, it <laughs> definitely had this weird vibe of like, like, sir, no. Like, this is a pass or something, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know, yeah. But they, they turned around and they went right out the entrance that they, they came in at the same door. And then a few minutes later, you see him come in a different door straight up to the front row. Right, right. And yeah. sat down, like, front row, maybe second row or something, but, like, was straight up there. Now, actually, I believe... Lacey was up there. Mm-hmm. You can see him behind her yeah. in the Warwick Davis video. Oh, oh yeah, really? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, that means he definitely didn't pull a, do you know who I am? Type no, of thing. he just, you know, what's funny. Lucasfilm yeah. employees never do that stuff yeah. ever, ever. Yeah. They'll yeah. just be like, okay. And they'll leave and then yeah. they'll just figure it out on their own or yeah. they'll come back yeah. later. Yeah. I don't have too much to say about Doug Chang. Cause I don't know like his specific contributions, uh, to, mm-hmm. cause I'm more of the old school folks, but I know how good he is. So, uh, I'm glad he's a big part of it. And I think he was, he was a big part of what they were doing with galaxy's edge too, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. 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 Very cool. Good it's pick. so crazy to hear him talk about the, the difference, like, well, we had this design and then we made it this way. And you're like, oh, I just thought you just drew it. But there was a reason right. why mm-hmm. it looks that way. It's so good. Right. 
Good watch, watch that panel. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Lacey, your final pick. last round. My final pick as the most important person behind the camera, so to speak, not in front, is Mr. John Williams. <laughs> ah, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah. This was the first person I thought of when John brought up this topic because... He's costume design, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> music of Star Wars. Guys, the music is as important as the characters in these stories, and I would... Like, I don't live my life a day without listening to some <laughs> Star Wars music, and I'm not even just, like, BSing you right now. I at least listen to one Star Wars song a day. Um, it's just, they're so beautiful. They're epic. They're perfect. It They wouldn't be the same without them. So, everyone knows John Williams. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot to say, There's except for the say. person. <laughs> He's just so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, we all know it. Um, He's nominated it, for 5,000 Oscars, won 3,000 of them. Yeah. I know. Um, uh, the best thing I think that come out of this is is the person that is listening to this episode and goes, finally! Yeah, like, that's right. like, I would have thought that'd be like the first on the list. Right, yeah. right. That would've, it would have yeah. been the yeah. biggest troll job if Lacey was like, Michael Giacchino uh, <laughs> is... <laughs> Uh, no, but like the only thing I'll say about John Williams to put him in perspective and it's brief is like, I've said this before on the podcast, I was watching Catch Me If You Can. I'm like, this music's pretty good. Who, I wonder who scored this. And I'm like, John freaking Williams did this too? I'm yeah, like, this he does everything. unbelievable. So e. yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing else that needs to be said that hasn't been said. John Williams, legend, good pick, great pick. You're welcome. All right, yeah. John, what do you got? Uh, the only reason we're here podcasting is because of this man. And many people don't know who he is, but his name is Alan Ladd Jr. And he was the um, executive at Fox, 20th Century Fox, who was the only person who went to bat for George Lucas when his crumbling project called uh, Star Wars, The Adventures of Luke Starkiller was falling apart at the seams. And the stakeholders, shareholders, executives, the board at 20th Century Fox were ready to balk because they were spending too much money. And Alan Ladd put his career on the line, his future on the line, by believing in what George Lucas was doing. And he's the reason why Star Wars wound up being finished and being completed and being made, getting extra budget to get it finished. So this guy, Alan Ladd Jr., there's even a documentary on YouTube right now. It's called Laddie, uh, about, all about this guy. And he's still alive today. Uh, he is literally the reason why all of you are listening to this podcast. All of you watch Star Wars movies. All of you know Star Wars exists. Uh, so he's absolutely number one on my list. I don't know if you are you guys familiar with Alan Ladd and what his contributions were to Star Wars. You've actually told me this story before. I yeah, I think I do because of you. But uh -huh. also, I feel like it's something that I have come across maybe like right. through Rinsler or something. Exactly. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's not much else you can say other than if you look at the chain, the domino and the chain of events for the legacy of this franchise, it stops right there. If he doesn't push back against an entire company of 20th Century Fox and say, no, we, I believe in this. We have to make this movie. None of this exists. It it's, changes everything. It's so amazing when you hear stories like that, because it happens a lot more than people think. Like mm -hmm. Seinfeld wasn't going to happen until a guy was like, no, we need to do this. this right. I believe in this. Right. Yeah. So all it takes is one person. You could right. have a hundred people in a room. If yeah, 90, yeah. 
Yeah. That anyway. 80s show wasn't going to happen, but somebody fought for it and it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the other side. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny because there's probably tons of projects that would have revolutionized the world, but they did get shut down. Yeah. Because nobody had and they're the faith sitting, in it. That crazy? They're sitting in a pile of scripts somewhere and some storage yeah. room at the back of an office. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to know in the comments if you guys know who, who Alan, Alan Ladd Jr. is. Let me know if you guys are aware because I'm curious how much of the fan base actually knows Hashtag the history of that guy. Drag to trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, James. Um, Legitimately the, the hero of the entire franchise. James, the final um, pick. Yeah, after the hero of the f- entire franchise. All right. Uh, <laughs> He's like, no one else matters. Go ahead, James. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, uh, it's funny because we get through this list and and there's so many names that we didn't pick that, yeah, I, you know, right. I don't want I don't want to say them because I feel like I'm calling them out then. But like there are so many important people that are shaping Star Wars that just didn't make the list, not because they're, it's like a ranking thing, but honestly, just because we're like, here's four, you know, yeah. that are <laughs> it's great. It's tough. Um yeah, but th- I mean, there's like all sorts of producers and and casting directors and all sorts of stuff. Um, but my final pick is actually um, someone who, and I don't want to break too away from Star Wars, but this guy is absolutely revolutionary in so many things, and it wouldn't we wouldn't have Star Wars if it wasn't for this person because we wouldn't have, but we wouldn't have more than Star Wars. We wouldn't have. Uh, you know, video editing as it, it is now, visual effects as it is and is now, we wouldn't have Photoshop if it wasn't for John Knoll. Mm. Ah, John um, Knoll. This guy, I mean, have you ever heard? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I the was going to say something and I couldn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, Darth Plagueis the Wise. Um, it's um, Sir Isaac Newton. They say, you know, he was like, he was asked a question and then he's like, I don't know the answer to that. So he goes back home and he invents calculus and then he comes back and with the answer, he just had to go invent calculus. Wow. That's John Knoll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, I don't have a solution for this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and create Photoshop, <laughs> yeah. you know, there, there literally was no such thing as a motion tracking shot. Every single time they said, here's George was like, here's what we want to do with these movies. He's like, that's not possible, but okay. And then he (laughs) made it possible. And it's literally the foundation for everything that every movie does ever Mm -hmm. now. He's the Rogue One guy. Yeah. And I mean, that just is another side thing. Talk about a guy who's shaping Star Wars. He's like, Hey, I have this idea, and they made a movie out of it. Yeah, yeah this right. paragraph right here. I want to make a movie out of this paragraph, right. and they were like, "Yeah, okay, right, yeah," because <laughs> yeah. because they just they just trust everything that he says. Did he work you know, on the entire original trilogy? What what's his span? Do we know? Um, I I think so. Like, I did he do that shot you were talking about the Tauntauns in Empire? That shot you like? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I might be wrong if 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 I'm crazy, but I definitely know that this dude has been around since the yeah. beginning, and I just don't know exactly when that the beginning is. Um, but I'm pretty certain that when it comes to that Tauntaun shot specifically, um, that's because of stuff that he was working on yeah. and like the, how they were layering those those um, 
layers <laughs> together. La- you gotta um, layer those layers, baby. You <laughs> gotta layer those layers in order to layer the <laughs> layers. He yeah. worked um, on the um, prequels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Pirates mm-hmm, of the Caribbean, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Potter, Pacific Rim, Mission Impossible, Ghost Pre- uh, Protocol, and then Rogue One. So, oh, not, so he is not he's not, not from the original, original trilogy. trilogy. Nope, just the All right, prequels. Down the drain. His right. um first movie was Captain EO. Oh, Michael Jackson. In 1986. Epcot. But yeah, he did the uh prequels. So he did so it's more like a Doug Chang thing. Like he started with episode one. He has connectivity to George Lucas. Yeah. He actually right. did yeah. visual effects for Hook. Oh, we and Willow. And Star Trek. Oh, so Willow is how he met George Lucas. So we're going back to 1988. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He also did Boom. Confessions of a Star- Shopaholic. <laughs> I couldn't right. say it. Well. And Avatar. There you go. Quite the resume. So good pick. And that closes out the Kessel Run. Um, a little bit long for a Kessel Run, but uh, we know you guys probably enjoyed that. Um we were able to discuss each one for a little bit and uh, express why we think they're important to Star Wars. But so the final list, we have Michael Kaplan, Lawrence Kasdan, Ralph McQuarrie, Neil Scanlon, Ben Burt, Dave Filoni, John Kasdan, Marsha Lucas, Doug Chang, John Williams, Alan Ladd Jr. and John Knoll. That's our Kessel Run for uh, 12 important people who have brought Star Wars to life behind the camera. So we want to know what you guys think. What do you think of our list? Uh, leave a comment. Also leave a comment of someone that we didn't add to our list that may be on your mm-hmm. list because no list is wrong. Uh, so we want to know who would be on your Kessel Run list for this topic. Uh, so thanks again for listening to that. But right now, we're going to send it over to Are Lacey we? so that we can hear from you guys. Yes, of course. I was going to say, it's a little long, so we don't have to. Yeah, we should do it. Okay. Yeah. We Let's just hear- fly through them. Let's yeah, we're going to fly through them. We're going to hear from you guys in resistance transmission. So, Lacey, what did we pitch to them this week, and what are they saying to us? All right, guys, it's time for resistance transmissions. So, every week, John puts up a crazy, wacky situation, and you guys answer, and then I read them. And I read them live. I've never read these. I don't know the situation. This week's not as wacky, so... True. I just always say wacky. I guess situation. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the situation this week is every Star Wars director slash writer announcement receives complaints from some fans. Name a writer or director who has never done Star Wars that would receive the least backlash if announced they were making a Star Wars movie. All right. So first up is Mike Harris at Sky Mauler, and he wrote George Luke. <laughs> Oh, never mind. (laughs) Read the rules, Mike. Next is Shannon Smith at Scuttle Butter SS. She wrote the Russo Brothers. They're hot right now. Russo Brothers. For sure. Next is Timothy Drennan at Timothy Drennan. Getting the handle there. He wrote Christopher Nolan. Think of how different, deep, and impactful that would be. He's probably the Star Wars director we need, but not the one we deserve. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> how how we got Batman 3, Batman's Batman out of him, I will never know. Oh, he was saying like Batman, Batman's? I don't yes. Know. 
Yeah, Nolan would be a decent pick, I think. I actually never saw the third Batman. I only saw the first two. You never saw the third one? Nope. I like the third one. Yeah, it's good. Nice. Next is uh, one of our patrons, Tampa Movie Guy, at Tampa Movie Guy. And he wrote, Quentin Tarantino, it'd be called Shiv Sheev. (laughs) 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 Next is at Jetta Rosewater. And she put... Hey, she wrote Peter Jackson. I'd be for that. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Um, next is Jordan know. at Delgadillo Art. What's up, Jordan? His art's amazing. Check it out. Uh, he wrote Tommy Wusso. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Jordan. Uh, next <laughs> is Van Solo at Tommy. Van Linton. She wrote Dennis Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. Vene- That's Blade Runner, right? Yeah. 2049. Tw- nice. Yeah. That's a good looking movie. Uh, I wonder who did the... And I agree. Uh, the look of it. Oh, wait. It's the guy from Solo, Bradford Young. Yep. Did, isn't, isn't the art director for 2049 the art director for episode nine too? Yes. Correct. Uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. Bingo, bango. Next 2049 is, is a masterpiece. It is. Next is Pixelated Greg at Pixelated Soul. He wrote Steven Spielberg. He nearly directed Return of the Jedi, but director's guild issues got in the way. Hmm. You know, I recently yeah. watched Indiana Jones. Spielberg loves a good push. push yes, in. that's his move. Like, if I took his movies and cut all the pushes, it would just be like, dun, 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 like just constant. Mm-hmm. He does it a lot in Indiana Jones. It was a little much. Uh, next is <laughs> next. Lacey, Lacey hitting an Oscar winner over the head with a statue. I didn't say his movie was yeah. bad. I just said he really likes the push, really driving it home to the audience of what they should be paying attention to. It just—it's funny coming from your perspective because it sounds like somebody being like Star Wars, always with the Force and the Force. A little too much Force in that movie, <laughs> like. <laughs> Go back and watch like, Indiana Jones. No, there's it's not too much force. You're wrong. Somewhere, push in. somewhere right now, Steven <laughs> Spielberg funny. is recording a podcast talking about Lacey and how she's too much with the Kylo Ren. He's like, oh, always with the I Kylo Ren. I haven't talked about girl. Kylo Ren that much at all. Lately. No, but in general, with the pushing oh. and then the Kylo. Okay, so here's the thing: is like, <laughs> it's a clear filmmaking move to get the audience <laughs> to pay attention to certain details so that you're not dumb five minutes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is, is as someone that went to film school <laughs> you see it and you're like i know this why are you showing the, this? but it's his move like he he's Is allowed it? to do it that's anybody his else who do, i yes I mean, obviously, uh, like moving closer is not like you can't make that your thing. But like you look at what, yeah, (laughs) you look at what he does. Yeah, that's his thing. I like Steven Spielberg Spielberg movies. I just want to say that just before everyone yells at me. All right, you know what? (laughs) This episode is long enough. Let's do a Kessel Run right now. Our favorite Spielberg (laughs) movies. I would listen to that episode. <laughs> Next is pilot number four at Odal Adam. What up, Adam? He wrote me. <laughs> that's the most that that's the most his answer so, possible. Uh, uh, so is that Adam or pilot number four? <laughs> yeah, right, right. James right. Reg four. So last but not least <laughs> yeah. is the kind of vacants. 
at Dekine Awakens. Mark, mm. he wrote, John Williams, Johnny Babes, is confirmed to write, <laughs> direct, score episode 10. He is invincible. His movie pitch. The entire movie is just a title card that says make Solo 2 happen with his music playing for three hours. <laughs> it ends up surpassing Endgame. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I would sit there for multiple showings. Like, that's yeah. how good his music is. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. I'm sorry this is a little quick, We, but not that quick. Not that quick. Um, <laughs> so, if you want to be on the show, follow us on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N. And uh, keep an eye out for the crazy, wacky situation. I think this one got a little wacky. Back to you, John. Mm -hmm. We were more wacky than the question. John, that's a Zoom. That's different. A push is like, oh, it's so specific. Okay, go ahead, John. Okay, guys, thanks so much for uh, listening, watching, (laughs) and subscribing. If you haven't yet, subscribe because we have two episodes a week. So you're looking at Apple Podcasts. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, I think we're even on Podbean. We're, we're in a lot of places. So find the Resistance Broadcast. <laughs> find your best format. Subscribe so you're catching up with us two times a week. Make sure you also head to StarWarsNewsNet.com. That is our website where we uh, give you all your, your latest news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. If you want to be a patron of the Resistance Broadcast and get additional content every day and simply just to support us, head to Patreon.com slash Resistance Broadcast. Tiers start at only two bucks a month and we have five tiers. Each tier, you get more stuff. Check it out, and also you, you can become part of the show, as you heard earlier uh, in this episode. Um, what, what else we got here, guys? Oh, uh, oh, oh, that's right. Our generals on our Patreon page. I want to thank Carmelo, Brian Shalito, Don Boring, Andrew Staley, Len Brown, Neil Lowry, Jeremy Myers, and Val Trichkoff. Thank you, generals. And Len, great job on your Patreon Padres this week. Look forward to uh, Carmelo next time. Get your Make Solo 2 Happen shirts at Public. Just look it up. Make Solo 2 Happen. Resistance broadcast. Join the party. Uh, there's also, yeah, Kylo Ren Supreme Leader shirts. We got the Thank the Maker shirts. We got a lot of shirts. James makes most of the designs. So you can thank Mr. Bainey. Uh, where, James? At Myra Trunks on Twitter and Instagram. Is that accurate? At Myra Trunks on Twitter and Instagram, John. You All right. Wrong. Lacey, uh, when you're talking about <laughs> Star Wars and uh, all that good stuff, where, where can they do, see you do that? People can find me on Twitter at Lacey Gillerin, where I also talk about how the lighting in Indiana Jones is terrible as well. Oh, well, that's when, when Lacey's not wrong on the Internet, you can find her <laughs> at, uh, I don't know where else, our Patreon page uh, posting she, and, she and putting up all our stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is never right. You guys can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Johnny Hoey and writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com. And then you guys can find us and our Rogue One uh, uh, commentary on our Patreon page soon. But until then, Monday, we'll be back with a new episode right here on the Resistance Broadcast. Enjoy your weekends, and we'll see you around, kids. Bye.